<laughs> Is this a metal thing? Yes. David. David, what is this? Wait. Oh, look at it. Oh, I need the china. This guy is a real truck. How long can Hugo be walking? Chop, 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 chop. David. Everybody, put on your corpse handling gloves. What? Horror. Forgot to mute myself, <laughs> so you heard me coughing. Hello and welcome everybody to Horror Movie Talk. I am the lone survivor, Bryce Hansen, and with me this week is Carl, the terror detective on Instagram. I uh, probably should have asked you how you wanted to be introduced before this, but uh, it's done now. So uh, that's right, folks. We're back and we're currently auditioning new co-hosts. The latest entry is Carl. Um, we're excited to be back and back to our roots with reviewing, get this, horror movies. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrorable. So uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. The full video of the episode is available on YouTube every week. Don't be a square be sure to share. Also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash horrormovietalk, the equivalent of the adult section at your video rental store. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, call 682-253-4468. Um, I've got David lined up to um, answer the last round of voicemails. Um, so you missed it. <laughs> if you haven't left a voicemail by now, it's just gonna be me and someone else probably answering the voicemails anyways we got a great show today reviewing a new release it's a wonderful knife and uh yeah it's gonna be an interesting show this was a this was an interesting movie uh we'll start out by giving a review and our score for the movie uh, in a brief synopsis, we score on a scale of 1 to 10. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. Later on, we'll be playing a new game called Real or Fake Christmas Horror Movie. So I'll read a synopsis and a title for a Christmas-themed horror movie, and Carl's going to have to guess whether that movie actually exists or it's one that I made up. I'm going to kill that game. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you probably will. You actually are well-researched and you know about the genre better than me, probably. <laughs> um, so anyways, welcome, Carl. Carl, you want to introduce yourself or say Thank anything? You. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Carl Swan, like the bird, although everyone calls me CJ or Siege because it's more amiable and approachable as opposed to Carl, which sounds like snarl. So you can use whatever you like, but I recommend Siege. Yeah, Carl Swan. It's it's weird. I actually had a a guy that sang with me in choir in, in college named Carl Swan. And, and like when I saw your name at first, I was like, is this Carl Swan? What? It's not, it's not Carl Swan. You're how, Carl Swan. How did he spell Carl with a C or a K? Pretty sure it was with a, with a C. Yeah. Mm, was he Scandinavian? 
Um, e- p- likely, yeah. All right, probably. Well, my whole name is that. My dad is like really into our Scandahuvian heritage, so. Yep. We uh, we uh, I'm Scandinavian as well. My father, both his parents were 100 percent Scandinavian. Were 100 percent Norwegian. So we do um, Lefse during the holidays. I don't know if you you go hard or not. No, I mean we'll have like pickled herring and I don't uh, know, like a couple of yeah. items, but not like traditions or anything. Yeah. What is that? Lefse is like a potato flatbread slash tortilla kind of thing. Um, they it's used a lot in during the holidays, at least for us. I don't know how how common it is normally but like you it, it shows up every once in a while sometimes you can find like a food cart in portland that has lefse or like a like if if you go to a straight ahead norwegian place i think i've even seen lefse at safeway once or twice, that, but yeah well you know like i went to school in portland but uh-huh. you know it's been a while since i was there um is there like a big i don't remember there being a big scandinavian no. presence there but no, but Portland's weird. So like True. they'll have weird, you know, ethnic or, you know, cultural things that'll show up. Um but it's changed a lot, right? In the past like decade or so? Uh yeah, I would say so. Um it was, was changing it, a lot when I was there. Like it was, was it an apocalyptic hellscape of of homeless and open fentanyl use when you were here? <laughs> um the drug problem was very bad uh like a lot of heroin use going on a lot of homelessness but based on what you guys say during your shows it sounds like it's gotten way worse yeah it's crazy it's like (laughs) is it legal there now like that's what it sounds like yeah they legalize like hard drug use um or decriminalize it's not legal of course it's not legal they just Mm -hmm. decriminalized it just completely different. Um, right. But, like, there's been a lot of lashback over that, and, like, I, I feel like that's going to be overturned. Mostly because the promise was we're going to decriminalize it and use the money that we would have spent on enforcement and prison and all that and focus on spending on, um, you know, mental health and recovery resources, and that just never materialize it's oh. portland is one of the worst run cities and that's why it's failing right now is it's the just, mayor the, still the guy from uh twin peaks ted wheeler <laughs> yeah. um no i don't think so oh no no, no, no. Ted- i'm sorry i got that wrong uh who's the actor who he was in portlandia he was the mayor in portlandia oh fred armison that's, um oh no 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 it was the guy who was in Twin Peaks, uh, though. Or... Oh, yeah. What's his name? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, that guy. Basically. I mean, is. I don't want to get too far into Portland politics. Let's right, talk right, about right, a right, fucking right, movie. Right, right. Um, so... Sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's it's a uh, no, it's it is fascinating. It is a case study in city mismanagement. But uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a failed horror movie. Um, it's a wonderful knife can be found in theaters right now. So do with that information what you will. Maybe listen to the review before you rush out. 
but It's a Wonderful Life is uh, set in a sleepy town of Angel Falls, and Winnie Carruthers kills a rampaging masked killer and saves the town from further massacre. After a year, she has never fully recovered from the trauma of the killer killing her best friend and also everyone around her inexplicably being a huge dick to her about it. Uh, in a moment of despair, she, she wishes that she never existed and a magical Aurora Borealis. Aurora Borealis? Uh, Aurora Borealis! Yes, Aurora Borealis uh, grants her wish. Shit, I clicked on the wrong thing. Uh, and she gets inserted into an alternate reality where she never killed the masked murderer and he has continued his rampage for the past year. Uh, coming off the success of Freaky, a horror send-up of the Freaky Friday premise, writer Michael White attempts for a repeat by creating this horror parody of It's a Wonderful Life. The problem is, on the surface, the premise doesn't make any sense. Oh, how I wish I'd never existed so I didn't have to kill that serial killer just doesn't come off as a logical desire, even though that's not how it's framed in the movie. It's more of just like general depression and despair, but that's not sold very well at all. It's weird. So, yeah. Um However, the most egregious sin of the movie is its entirely inconsistent tone. Is this supposed to be an over-the-top satire? Is it supposed to be a heartwarming morality play with an edge? Is it supposed to be a visceral, gory horror film with a sardonic humor? Uh, it ends up being nothing other than a tonally confusing mess. It feels like the film went through five rewrites um, while shooting... Uh, one of those rewrites must have been done by an eight-year-old. One example of the inconsistency is exemplified in the character of Winnie's father, played by Joel McHale, um, <clears throat> which I, I'm i not sure how much I want to blame Joel McHale being miscast in this or how much I want to blame on just terrible writing. Uh, but the the fact is I'm not sure if he's supposed to be a sympathetic character, an inconsiderate asshole, or a psychopath. Uh, some of this is due to the plot taking place between two different realities. But the problem really is that they never fully tr uh, establish his character in the first place or like what you're supposed to feel about towards him. And that kind of error is throughout the whole movie. Like you don't it's so confusing. You don't know how you're supposed to feel about the characters or what's going on because it like switches midstream and then the alternate reality has like a different perspective but it's never really sold and it's never established what they were in the first place so it's it's just a mess um the film makes a lot of bizarre choices not only in the story but in the production the first couple of deaths use some of the least convic convincing digital blood that i've ever seen in a theatrical release uh, by the end of the movie it goes completely off the rails and starts adding inexplicable supernatural powers to one of the villains. It is wild. I mean, the only thing that really kept my attention as was... You're, as you're saying all this, I'm like, oh my god, you are so <laughs> spot on with everything you are saying. This movie just... was a disaster area. Can yeah. I just throw one thing in before I like stop? Sure, yeah, yeah. I... 
I always check other reviews just to see like what uh-huh. the consensus is. Ebert gave this almost a perfect score. I don't well, I mean, understand if how that Roger happened. Ebert existed, he would not have loved this movie. I but, certainly hope not. Yeah, that uh I was like mad. I was mad. When I like was watching the movie through the whole second half, I was eye rolling so hard, my eyes almost fell out of my head and rolled out the theater. Uh and everyone was silent in the theater. The like handful of us that were there, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um Sorry, I'll let you continue. No, it's no, it's it's uh, that is exactly like I'm glad that you're just as confused and you're not like I actually kind of liked it because like it's... I thought you were gonna say that I thought you were gonna be like I thought it was good and I was gonna be like oh shit now I'm gonna have to you know be easier on this movie <laughs> no well first of all don't ever let my opinion affect your opinion but um yeah it's just bizarre like the first half of the movie was like confusion or just like uh it's not very good or like what's it just felt like well you nailed it with like the tonal like confusion because it's like at parts it was this super saccharine like sugary sweet holiday movie uh-huh. and i was like all right is that what we're doing but then it turned into this like mystical fantasy thing with body switch not body switching but sort of body switching because uh-huh. you know the, i guess the writer yeah like you said he did freaky which i liked i thought yeah, freaky, freaky was, was pretty good and also uh, but the director it's a much... did Tragedy Girls, which was a lot better than this. So, you know. Yeah, and they both were involved in the Five Nights at Freddy's, which I don't know what your opinion is about that. But it was like, not I mean, good. I, wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, but that's been used as like, oh, yeah, they're coming off of the success of, of uh, Five Nights at Freddy's and Freaky. I think like the problem is Freaky is a much easier on the surface uh like high concept to make work it's like it's body switching right like wacky antics ensue of you know a teenager being in a serial killer's body and a serial killer being in a t- teenager's body it's totally on the surface like it, it writes itself it's a wonderful life <laughs> where it's like and they a threw- morality play that's super saccharine and super like um you know, it, it's Christmassy. Like, how do you make a horror movie work with that? And the answer is, Not these guys don't. Way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very confusing. I'm, I'm look forward to talking about it in the spoiler section. But I, uh, I give it a score of a three out of ten. Um, it's not bad enough to be unwatchable. It's like entering the realm of so bad, so bad it's good in terms of like. If you're sitting next to someone and can make fun of it. Yeah. If you have someone who's good at like banter, like talking back at a screen, it could conceivably be a much better time. Right. Or you Um, could be me sitting there wanting to like burn the theater down. Right. You know. Uh, But it is a bad movie. Like the, the movie that it reminds me most of, of just being befuddling. Um, This episode hasn't come out yet. Probably by the time this is, out but i just reviewed uh with someone else the exorcist 2 the heretic oh and what did you think 
it's awful. It's, it's yeah. similar. It's similar. It's all over the place. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And how did they squander? I still don't think that was as bad as this, though. Uh, I mean, at least from like a cinematography standpoint, and right. I don't know. I mean, there are, there are technical aspects to the film that you could focus on and say, okay, it's not like the worst thing ever. I wasn't necessarily sitting there through the whole thing, like itching to get up and run out, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But with this. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I would not recommend you see it in the theater. Uh, save your money and probably just don't watch it, to be honest. Um, unless you want something to make fun of. Um, it's an interesting entry into the Christmas horror genre, but yeah, it's not, it's not great, unfortunately. Um, so before we get into spoilers, just want to take a moment and, uh, ask you, did you just listen to uh, some ads before we started talking or right before right now? Are those annoying? Well, you should know that you don't have to listen to them. If you go to Patreon and sign up at a certain level, you get early access to our episodes without ads. Um, and that helps us out a lot more directly. To be honest, like the enjoyment that you would get out of um, signing up and getting early access and access to the other stuff on Patreon probably brings more value to everyone than just the, the small amount of money we get from that advertising. <laughs> <laughs> but you know in aggregate a lot of people don't sign up for at and for, for patreon so it's what we got to do um also check out the horror movie talk shop it's back up we've got some hoodies um and other goodies uh from horror movie talk go to horrormovietalk.com slash shop uh i want to give a shout out to dustin goble or our resident artist um you can find him on instagram at dgobel 0 that's d-g-o-e-b-e-l zero zero um he does take commissions uh i think he's he might still be sick and out of commission right now but reach out to him and let him know how much you love him call six eight two two five isn't he sick a lot i i feel like i just heard you guys talking about that no not not usually um, oh, okay maybe no, i'm he's, just mixing up conversations there no he's also i mean he also gets pretty busy too like he's yeah you know, like us he's working full-time He's got a family. And so, you know, a weekly thing. I think he's only hasn't done the episode art like a handful of times. But um, last week he, he couldn't get the Insidious one out. So I used the, the screenshot, which is I actually kind of liked. I kind of liked my, my green screen setup for Insidious. Um, anyways, leave a voicemail, 682-253-4468. And let's get into the show and talk about spoilers. Okay. So, <laughs> first of all, I, I looked at your, your template for Christmas, Bloody Christmas. What is... 
you wrote a lot. I I'm, did. I, Sorry. I, I'm just wondering what your what your uh, impression is seeing my beats to hit and how sparse it is compared oh, to Oh, I, I honestly haven't even really like gone through. I I should be doing that. I should have No, no, that. no. This is more of like you don't you don't have to. It's I'll guide the conversation and you can just kind of see where we are at the the mile posts in this bullet list, but um yeah, I mean there's a lot to talk about in this movie. Um part I mean part of it when you watch the trailer, you see it's starring Justin Long and starring Joel McHale, which are recognizable kind of comedy uh you know I love actors. Justin Long. I was excited when I saw that he was involved with this. And actually I like the other guy too. I mean, I think the cast there are some really strong people in this, yeah. but the characters are so badly drawn that you yeah. can't salvage them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty rough. Uh, Justin Long does kind of an impression of Joel Olstein um, uh, as the... Who's Joel Olstein? Um, Joel Olstein is like the televangelist. Um, let me find a, a picture of him. Like See, I think this he's. Is, this is why I wouldn't know who he is because I'm like a total heathen. I mean, you would you would recognize his face just because it's impossible not to see this guy if you're is he like a memed heavily memed individual yeah where's my there he is this guy nothing Mm, he looks very satanic (laughs) he is like the epitome of like a prosperity preacher televangelist um but justin long is pretty does a pretty good job of of imitating him but unfortunately for me it also gives really strong uh johnny depp willy wonka vibes Mm -hmm. just kind of creepy and off um which is a good choice for this character i guess um is kind of kind of menacing like he is the one that kind of works mostly because he is labeled as the main antagonist and it's obvious what we're supposed to feel about him. Yeah. Um, I mean, and also the way, I mean, he has a strong look, like the fake teeth or I don't right. know, they're like buck teeth. He has a fake tan. It's just a very like severe presentation. So right. that coupled with his performances, you know, it, yeah. it could have been good, I guess. <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean, I, I, I liked him in it. It's okay. I mean, like the, yeah, the writing is still a problem, but so he, his character at the beginning, um, is kind of the main real estate developer in this little town feels kind of like a ski resort type town. Um, that was another thing I was totally confused about where they even were i mean it's a, okay so it's like a fictional town is it uh-huh. in the united states because they're talking about the aurora borealis which you wouldn't even be seeing in the united states right like um yeah i mean it's yeah i mean i think even in interviews they talked about how they wanted the town to feel kind of like a snow globe kind of as it's the the only town that exists in the universe okay and so in a way it, it feels a little like that it's not really attached to you know anything um but yeah it's kind of weird because it it doesn't all it also doesn't establish like 
what this town is supposed to be. It feels like very small town vibes, like everyone knows each other, but how would a serial killer work in that Apparently situation? very well, easily. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's this developer, and he's trying to make this big um, shopping center, um, you know, tourist attraction kind of thing. And there's one last holdout uh, of a property in the development, and that's the smoking man from X-Files. Um, and he doesn't want to sell. He wants to give his um, his property to his granddaughter. But then they also say that make it sound like he's about to go under foreclosure. And you're like, right. what? Is he desperate or not? Like, is he desperate to get out from under this? Yep. And they can just wait him out, or does he actually have value that he can hand on to his granddaughter? A um, little weird. Um, Joel McHale's character is is the father of the protagonist, and he is shown like having to work on Christmas Eve with Justin Long to convince the smoking man to... Um, I'm just going to keep calling him the smoking man. Um, to sell. And so you're like... This is like the first part where you're like... So is he an overworked dad that cares about his family? But also but he then considers he... the the jerk uh Justin Long character. What what's that guy's name? Sorry. Um that would be Henry Waters. Henry Waters. He considers Henry Waters to be his best friend as well, which Right. doesn't make sense. Yeah, so like the backstory is Henry Waters, the developer uh, played by Justin Long, uh, inherited some real estate business from his dead father, and Joel McHale um, worked for his father. And the Smoking Man has a line where he says, like, you know, his father felt that Joel McHale was more of a son than Justin Long ever was. So it's like, are they rivals or best friends? So, yeah. I mean, you're like, okay, so is, is Joel McHale supposed to be a caring father? And then he shows up at this meeting, but he's also kind of pushing for this guy to sell, but from a more empathetic angle. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, like... <laughs> no, I got the vibe that Joel McHale's character was kind of ambivalent about it. Like yeah. he was just there witnessing this stuff happen and he was everybody's friend. Right. Right. And so that that's important later on. So then um, it's pretty obvious that that Justin Long um, will stop at in, stop at nothing to get this guy to sell. And he has kind of a menacing expression. So it's not a huge surprise that he ends up being the mass killer. Yeah. Uh, because the smoking man and then his granddaughter and then like other random people start being killed by this. Um, so by this the way, killer. for anyone who's listening to this episode, if you are thinking you're going to go into this movie and get like some big mystery, no, the mystery no. gets zero. solved in the first like 10 minutes. Yeah. Zero mystery. There's a twist right? Uh, the worst in the twist second ever. act, but it doesn't make any sense. Well, there's I, a couple no, twists. Honestly, that are... I saw that coming. Like I was like, yeah. I bet they're going to do that. They did it. And I was yeah. like, that was dumb. Like, ugh. yeah. Um, so the mass killer, it's very reminiscent of um, Ghostface, like you can see behind me. Oh, no, he's going to get me. 
Um, he is, you know, just a white face with a white robe. And, um, and then Winnie Carruthers kills him after he's killed several people. And then is re- it's revealed that it's Justin Long. And then it jumps forward a year. Um, and she's like being set upon by everyone, just everyone. So like, first of all, like the most nonsensical one was Justin Long's brother comes and accosts her and is like, how dare you kill my serial killer brother? Oh my God. Right. And somehow she feels bad about doing it. And then like her boyfriend, um, like is cheating on her. Um, and then also, so this is the weird thing. Joel McHale now on Christmas gives a gift of like, All he right. gives her like workout clothes and then her brother, a giant pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And this is where I was just so confused. Cause I'm like, do they not like her? Like, is he an asshole? Like, are they trying <laughs> to say he's an, like, cause it was so like, you wouldn't, if you're going to make a strong choice like that, like, and not, and play it off as kind of a ridiculous thing, it's like, you got to establish, like, a really over-the-top sat. I mean, you got to have, like, um, you know, Matilda-level evil parents. Well, to, they like, did, they did give her a camera, right? Like, later? No, that was, that was after... After all this went she down. She switched back. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, so, well... But what I'm saying is, see, that's the thing. I'm all confused about, like, <laughs> so, okay, she, anyway, you continue. We can get into that later. Yeah, so that that's where it starts get, getting confusing with the characters. Um, um, I skipped over some stuff. So, actually, like, let's go back. I won't talk about the weird um, ants. Well, never mind. I'm going to skip les- over that. The lesbian ant. Yeah. This uh, by the end of this movie, this is the gayest family in existence. I didn't get that it, either. I mean, it's it's a weird, it's a weird like representational. It's very weird choice like, because I don't think I I don't I okay. So you don't know this about me. I'm a gay guy. Uh huh. Hi everyone, gay. Um, and I'm not a I'm generally not a big fan of like representations of gays in movies. Like uh-huh. they just do something wrong usually. Uh and right. in this movie it was just all wrong. Like but then again, all the characters are wrong. Like no one comes uh-huh. across as a genuine human being. So I was right. like <laughs> you know, I guess it doesn't surprise me that these gay people are acting like, you know, jock footballers who are the most popular kids in school and might as well just be you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, so like going through the family. So the family is. Um, so she's got a father and and a mother, um, and they. She's got a brother, and her brother is the most popular like football captain, quarterback of the school, and he's gay. Um, and and he, he gets really mad when the mom gives him a rainbow Christmas ornament. Yeah. God forbid. Like what? Yeah. And then her aunt is also gay and is like visiting with her uh wife. Um which um 
it's very beautiful, but she has a very large um, birthmark or, or what, what do you call it? It's a birthmark. Yeah, uh, on her face. And so it's like, I don't know. I It, it, it feels it, like they're trying to please everyone. Right. Like they're I'm throwing very in much... the gays or throwing in the people with the birth. Mark yeah, or... I don't want to be like the the angry white male, but when it's like, just feels so artificial and like tacked on, it's like, what are you doing? And then by the end of the movie, the main character's gay. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. You're like, okay, so oh god, I what totally are, forgot about that. Too. What are the odds that this family has? I mean. It's a good case for genetics, you know, yeah. being, being a genetic component for homosexuality, because by the end of the movie, everyone's gay, like all the siblings are gay, aunt's gay, like, you know, they should have had like Joel McHale give side eye to, you know, Justin Long as well and just be like, oh, maybe that would have been a good twist. <laughs> See, I would have liked that. <laughs> but, no. So, yeah, it's it's weird and tacked on and and it's. It just comes off as weird. Like I read this interview of the writer, and it 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 says something gay? about it says something about this movie where it's like, yes, that's exactly what I thought it was. Which was, um, let me find. Uh, okay, so this is um, the writer. He says, in my case, on freaky. And on knife, no one batted an eyelash about the gay characters. Um, and quite frankly, on knife, I had a character who was straight. And at one point, producer Adam Hendricks, who produced Freaky, Totally Killer, and Megan, was like, just make them gay too. And we were having a notes call one day, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just make everyone gay. And so I was encouraged on this movie. <laughs> so it's like, that's what it felt like, is like, Okay, so ah, fuck it. I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial. I hope not. Uh, just just so everyone knows, I love everyone. Mm -hmm. I am a fan of all sexual orientations, all races, all religions, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I love everyone. Um, that being said, I'm not generally a big fan of movies that take place in a blank universe, like whether mm -hmm. it's a homoverse or like a black universe or mm -hmm. whatever i mean i do get the like why those movies exist and if some people like them awesome but mm -hmm. for me there's like i don't know it it's like eddie murphy's boomerang it's just a movie that i guess it does speak to like black people so that's great but it did feel kind of like alienating to me i was even alienated by this movie which is yeah all about fine... my people apparently yeah. <laughs> i mean it's a fine line between showing like an actual story that's predominantly like one uh minority that feels genuine and feels like internal into their world and like you know i'm it's not like black people don't have cookouts with the majority of black people you know there kind of thing like it's it exists sure um but uh, you can also go like too far to where like yeah like you said it's it's like this doesn't exist in reality like um like a, a good example would be that show sex education on netflix mm. like where 
where is this weirdly convenient conglomeration of every single like sexual orientation and like there's no like bell curve right on normality you know normality of of like any uh, i get what you mean you know whatever to where it's like it just feels like yes this is a corporate display of wokeness you know and so that that is uh where it gets very artificial and you're like you're not helping and this kind of is on that end of it. Of it's like, lip service. It, it just yeah. felt like they were paying lip service to all these right. different issues. And like, they also threw in like suicide and they like, it's, you know, so there's gays, there's, you know, uh, people who are drug addicted. There's, uh, there's just so many different, like, and it takes none issues. of it seriously. And no. none of it is realistic. <laughs> like so. every way that they could have gone with each issue that might've worked, they went the opposite way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she, in this year later, like every, everything bad is happening to her and she's, you know, kind of depressed. Um, um, also, she meets the uh, town weirdo, which is also just a traditionally attractive female. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. one of those very, like, Hard to late believe. 80s, 90s, like... Oh, you take your glasses off and she's beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. oh no. H- how did we never see it? It's like, yeah, they're all very traditionally attractive. Just some for some reason they're like that one's weird. That that's the weird hot girl. Um so um Winnie decides like I wish I never existed and then she gets shoved into this alternate reality where um, immediately the killer is still there a year later, just killing people indiscriminately. Um, a couple changes, the killer's brother or Justin Long's brother is now the sheriff. Um, like Justin Long's character is the mayor. Um, and for some reason, everyone is on hard drugs in her friend group. Like it goes from, I don't even know how that would happen in (laughs) this like out of the way snow globe of a village all of a uh-huh. sudden there's like the biggest meth problem ever and the way they handle it it's like they're trying to be funny about it but i don't know i mean oh, are man. they though like it i not, felt like they were this... like they started off like it definitely had like a comedic tinge to it but then it just was like i don't know what it was yeah it's such, it's so bizarre cuz it doesn't feel like that's the thing like with these types of movies you have to make strong choices yeah. you have to like like if you're gonna go be like all making the way fun of an inappropriate topic just fucking do it you know right. Right. they don't do it like they start to do it and then they backpedal and they throw in another issue it's like okay yeah and so they again this is another opportunity to be very confusing about the characters because um, in the original reality, it's revealed that her boyfriend was having an affair with her one of her friends, and and then in this alternate reality where she doesn't exist, they've been dating for three years, and you're like, okay, so that's saying that they would they, have gotten together anyway. They would have gotten together anyway, or they're very happy or whatever. And you're like, okay, and then her father 
um, like the major change in, in the story is that her brother got killed in this reality. And so her father, um, you know, lost his only son. And so he's super depressed. And you're like, oh, is he like a sympathetic character now and not an asshole? Um, is he going to be on her side? And then it's it's all just very confusing. The way I read it was he started off as like this kind of we don't care who this guy is because he's so holiday traditional, like sugary sweet. I'm ready for the commercial now type of guy. Right. And, and that's what happens. Like after the waters guy dies or gets killed by the daughter, the father and son become like very successful in their business, which is selling real estate. And they do these mm -hmm. like commercials where there's no difference between what they're presenting on camera and what they are in actual life, which is these like happy, smiley, like cookie cutter people. Yeah. And then, yeah, we go into the alternate reality where he's super depressed and like, there's other stuff too. Uh, and yeah. the, the mother, like what? Yeah. So it's so bizarre. Like it's, you know, it must be just, uh, it must be just terrible directing because I think that's like where it lies. Maybe this stuff could be, if you read it in the script, you could see a vision of like being over the top and making it work and, and like having those delineators, but it's just not communicated very well. And it's like, everything seems like a non sequitur. It's like, okay, now her, her mother is a huge whore and drunk now, and I guess. Also, her boyfriend is, like, <laughs> openly in the house, like, having sex with her on the couch while dad's, right. like, walking in and out. It's like... Yeah. Okay. Um, And then the gay aunt is exactly the same. Um, Just no... No effect her on her whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, the weirdo is exactly the same. And that, that uh, was something else that bothered me. When the, sis, when the daughter shows up at the house after first entering the universe and she talks mm -hmm. to the aunt and the aunt kind of like tests her to see if she actually does know anything about her. The mm -hmm. daughter like references something about panties. I don't know what. But it seems to me like everything that happened in the other reality that happened to the ant still happened in this reality <laughs> right just without this daughter being there which right. doesn't make sense like their whole idea about alternate realities here uh-huh it doesn't make any sense whatsoever right and so <laughs> that's all happening and then the the killer's still out there one of the other confusing things is like at the beginning of the movie, it's very clear that that Justin Long as the killer has a strong motive of he's killing these two people and probably having some collateral damage to accomplish his goal of building this, you know, a development. But he continues on a killing spree, killing dozens of people for what reasons? Like, oh, so he's actually just a psychotic serial killer, I guess. Apparently then, there was more of a plan, right? Like it wasn't just that he had to kill those two people or three people, I guess, because he had to kill the sheriff too, right? Right. And so eventually like it, it does explain it that like, oh, it's all connected, you know, which is kind of hard to believe. If he's like an all-powerful businessman in this small community, is like, do you really have to kill everyone or can you just strong arm and, you know, anyways... Uh, I think a lot of powerful businessmen and mayors don't have to kill people to get their way. I don't know. That's just me. 
Um, You're just a softie. I know. And then uh, that's what my wife says. Um, never mind. I don't want to talk about it. Um, uh, so then. Don't feel bad, Bryce. I'm right there with you. It's, you know, once you get to. I get it. If your 40s. Age. Yep. It's, you know. It's a different story, guys. So for any you, young you, listeners listening, you know, like just you have that to look forward to. Right. Um, so then it's this weird reveal that they they kill the killer again in this alternate reality. And then it's revealed that it's actually Joel McHale. Which is like, OK, what? So wait. So why he why is he killing everyone? And their answer is, well, he just went crazy after his son died. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so wait a minute. And, so were they connected? And also the, were they the, connected? the daughter like pieced all that together just like a minute after he's revealed. She just is like walking away with the aunt and her nerdy friend. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, this is obviously why he's killing people is because he fell under the evil like web of Mr. Waters and, you know, is being manipulated to be his like minion now. Yeah. Um, the scene where they kill her father, this was the one scene that I was like, this feels like it's written by an eight year old because it's such a tacked on dilemma. He's, he's lying unconscious at the bottom of the stairs and the, the weirdo, the protagonist and her aunt are on the stairs and they're like, we have to step over him. Well, I thought like that it's was a some... re- it's a reference to Scream 2, right? Is it? I think so. Cuz okay. it's well, I mean that's what I was thinking of cuz in Scream 2, they're in the back of the cop car and they have to crawl through the the grate basically is like sort of ripped open uh-huh. a little. They have to climb through it past Ghostface. So, I could see that being a very clear reference for that scene. <laughs> um, why they're using this reference at this point? <laughs> Who knows? But there's a difference between like crawling over someone yeah. and being on an elevated platform, being able to just directly step over yeah. or jump over someone. The tension was far less significant in this scenario. Yeah. Or you just go up to step three and you jump down onto his rib cage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, what's the dilemma here? You can just kick his ass. Anyways, like it's. It just felt like such a, you know, an eight-year-old playing make-believe and like, oh, no, it's a guy. I have to step over him to get to his knife. And then it's just like, wait, what? This is just feels so arbitrary and yeah, and like a false, um, you know, dilemma. Um, and then they, they eventually, like, try to trap... Um, this right they they go to okay so the nerdy friend is a movie nerd as mm-hmm. well and uh she's usually hanging out at the local like cineplex and that's where the aunt nerdy girl and daughter go they go there to entrap the killer and the right. way they do this uh is they put three mannequins in a row and they just kind of sit there in the shadows waiting for the killer to show up because he's obviously uh-huh. going to want to like finish business and 
kill the people who know who he is. This is the father, by the way, Joel McHale, that they're like waiting to kill. Um, and then, yeah, he finally shows up. Or wait, no, it's... I forget what I'm happened. I'm so confused. Did they kill Joel McHale at the foot of the stairs and they reveal no, it there? They didn't kill him there. He came, they didn't kill him there. He came to okay, the theater. He came at him. Yeah. Okay. okay, so it's not revealed until after the theater. Um, I will say, the best one of the best scenes in the movie, and it was like so good that it made me sad that it was in this movie. I'm like, oh, God, they got to use that in another movie. Or if it has been used, I, I don't know. You can tell me. You probably know better than me. But the scene where they're in the darkened uh, theater and she's using her camera flash mm-hmm. yeah. to light her way, that was actually cool. <laughs> like, because, like, it does, it, as a viewing experience, you have this flash. It's super bright. And then you see the after image still burned into the screen just from your eyes burning out. I'm like shit that would be a great like effect in a like a real taut thriller like if if there was a that, that is a audrey... cool like effect yeah i know what yeah, you, what's yeah. that audrey hepburn movie um aubrey hepburn audrey aubrey whatever it is um where she's blind i'm looking <sighs> Anyways, like it, it feels like it should have been a cool like wait until dark. Yeah, wait until dark. Like it, it, it could have been in a a really cool movie like that, and that would have been like a really memorable scene. And then in the shitty movie, you're like, oh man, that's yeah. actually a really cool effect. Like it's so sad that it's in this shitty shitty movie that no one should ever see. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, good filmmakers steal that part. Um, and then um. She kills him with a spear, which I'm a big fan of. I always think That's that right. the spear is, is spear. underrepresented. And then this is where it goes completely off the rails, like inexplicable. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because mm-hmm. they go up and they're going to confront uh, Henry Waters or or Justin Long's character. And he's giving this speech or or like christmas presentation in the town square it's a get-together where he literally is telling people whether they've been naughty or nice yeah so it's weird because it's communicating that he's super powerful and that he has so much power in the community that he can literally just like uh excoriate his enemies or people that did him wrong in front of everyone. Yeah. And there and also like, there is a supernatural element to it because everyone's eyes are glazed over like they're possessed right. by the power <laughs> of Mr. Waters, which it's is so crazy. A completely new element this <laughs> this phenomenon of possession. Yeah. Their eyes are green, like bright green and they're zombified watching this and no clue has been given about this superpower or anything like it's just as they're running up um when he is like oh no they're all hypnotized by his power or something and you're like wait like literally or like literally or figuratively it's like no literally yeah and it's it's like a it's like a vampire power of like you got to kill the vampire to release all of his minions Mm-hmm. I can't I can't explain how how out of the blue this is that like there's literally no setup to nope. it. 
it's at all. Completely new element. It's out of place. And also, in a, he has like, in a movie where everything's out of place. And also, he which has, is impressive. He has bodyguards as well. These like couple of thug guys who aren't very good at their job because, yeah, the girl, the, yeah. the girl, gr- a couple girls like teenage girls can still kick his ass. Yeah, easily. He has... <laughs> and he's supernatural as well. So he's a supernatural being who can possess a town full of people, <laughs> and has bodyguards and two. Teenage girls come up and just kill him with ease. Well, it's because they can defeat him with the power of being gay. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I that kill is, people with my gayness all the time. That's the super it's the superpower. That's why, you know, evangelicals are so scared of you guys. You know, it's like I knew it all they know wrong. the power you hold. No, like yeah, up to this point also, like, yeah, I guess we glossed over that, but just randomly, I guess, uh, Weird Girl and Wit and Winnie fall in love that in only, the movie theater. Is that where it happened? I thought it happened at the end, like out of nowhere again. It was just like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're a lesbian couple now, which is like, okay, fine, I guess so. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't realize that they had like, f- oh, right, because she laid her head on her shoulder. Yeah, the there's a little like nod to it. There's a little like you know, tropiness that they're establishing. But yeah, I guess they didn't like officially, you know, fall in love and become a couple till the very end. But anyways, and then they wish back on the Aurora Borealis and it goes back to normal. It's still a year later. Um, But I guess everyone's not an asshole now or something. I, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like the, <laughs> the payoff, on all this stuff is like trying to be so saccharine and like heartwarming as a Christmas movie. And it just comes off as like, what is going on? Yeah. Like they couldn't decide what you still don't understand. Yeah. You still don't understand how you're supposed to feel about these people. Like, is there stuff that's revealed or not? Like, I don't know. Well, this is precisely why I was just like eye rolling the whole time because every second there was some new, you know, element and some new awful characterization and plot development. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, in the ending, it just goes back to like sugary, sweet holiday wonderland fakeness. And they also reference uh, what's the movie that the title uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Because yeah. there's that famous scene where, what's uh, st- st- what's the actor's name? Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, he's like running down the street, saying "I love you" to everyone or whatever. And they mm-hmm. they they reference that as well. They have the daughter like running down the street, so happy that she's like back in her own time, and she's like saying "I love you" to everyone. And then she goes and she sees her lesbian girlfriend, who's not her girlfriend yet but whatever she goes sees her girl she thinks she's gonna commit suicide that's another thing that kind of like irritated me was this whole like random thread of suicidal ideation on christmas Mm -hmm. i and i like they're trying to be topical but they're doing it in such a ham-handed way like out of nowhere towards the end the nerdy girl is like you know this was gonna be my last christmas and mm-hmm. all of a sudden we realized like, oh, wow, she was going to kill herself because people were calling her like a nerd, which mm-hmm. honestly, if I had done that in high school, I, I would have been dead long ago if I killed myself, if someone called me a nerd. But anyway, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a rough and very confusing movie. So, I don't know. Do, do you think anyone Some people like it. Do you like think it. there's anyone that would rec- you'd recommend it to? I mean, like I said, I saw the review on Ebert and I was just like floored. Cuz I refer to them frequently and I usually agree with what they say, but this time I was just like I I don't under I don't understand how that happened. Like I did yeah. they get paid to make that review? <laughs> like uh yeah, I, literally, let me tell you what I sent my friend after I saw that movie last night. And then, you know, I guess I'll try and figure out who I think this movie might work for. Like maybe some kids, younger people would like it. Uh maybe as like a piece of oh, see, it's not really entry horror though because there is slight gore like someone gets their throat slashed in the beginning mm-hmm. that's another thing like at least they could have had like gore you know right but they didn't even have that they had like yeah it was one... all like very fake i mean even just like the lion on the floor with his throat slit it was digital blood i'm like what the fuck are you doing yeah like, just yeah. yeah pump some like fake blood into the scene or something like it's so bizarre okay so this is what I said, I said, girl, the movie was trash. I'm still glad I saw it since I didn't want to make, okay. I didn't tell you this. Okay. So, uh, I sent you the receipt for the ticket just, Uh and, um, I'm I'm sure, I don't know if you saw the date that the ticket was for. It was Uh for Thursday. Uh I thought it was for yesterday. Uh, so I went to the theater, they scanned it. They told me to go to the same auditorium. I'm waiting there for about, you know, 30 minutes or so, just like doing stuff on my phone and I'm realizing like there's a movie playing in this auditorium and it's like midway through right now like this can't be the right place so I went back and I spoke to like a couple more helper people uh Mm -hmm. and sure enough we finally figure out that my ticket was for the day before and I was like (laughs) oh my god is this really happening right now because this is like the first impression I'm gonna make with you I'm like I don't want you to think that I can't even like make it to the movie on time the right on the right day Uh but fortunately the gods of movie reviewers were looking down upon me i went to the help desk the girl was amazing she was like don't worry she switched it right then and there she got me into the like showing at eight which was just like a half hour away she didn't double charge me it was Mm-hmm. So, so it was a blessed thing anyway so that's what i'm saying when i'm saying to my friend like oh i'm so glad that i actually got to saw it because it would have been not good if i didn't uh-huh. but uh she was like was it super typical and i said in some ways yes there were lots of ooey gooey holiday moments that read as totally false and forced and fake but the story was also a nonsensical mess i'm really surprised this was made by the same guy who did tragedy girls because that was okay Although Five Nights at Freddy's was another mess, I was rolling my eyes for the entire second half. The premise is, like, infuriatingly dumb, and it tries to be topical by adding themes of seasonal depression, suicide, and death in the family, but it handles everything so clumsily. Just really bad. And then her reaction, she sent me a little audio clip, and she's like, well, it sure isn't, uh, it's, it's sure not Phoebe Cates in Gremlins with the speech she gives about her dad. And I thought she was being sarcastic, but she wasn't. Mm-hmm. She was totally serious. And I was like, well, yeah, because I really like that scene. And I love Gremlins. So, yeah. Well, the difference is... 
actually good acting it, and good writing. It feels in in place in Gremlins because Gremlins is over the top and goofy. And you have this super, super serious talk. And so it's a contrast. Really? Um, yeah. It's, I think even when I was reading reviews or seeing some kind of promotion for this movie, it mentions like, it's got 77 on Rotten Tomatoes, one of the best. Re-. I'm like, that must be all paid for or like somehow done before because there's no one that is going to say this is a great movie or even like passable. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Anyways, I, I think like, yeah, I mean, again, I guess if you want to see a Christmas horror movie this year in theaters, this is one. Um <laughs> Yeah. If you want something to make fun of, like you could probably, you know, stream it eventually with with some friends, but uh I, this is just one that you can you can skip. Um I mean, so you, move- you you said at the beginning it's so bad that it could be good, but uh-huh. you would need to have somebody there to like kind of yeah. rip on it all the way through, so. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's move into our new game, which I'm calling real or fake Christmas horror movie. Trying to get a sound effect. No. There we go. Perfect. (laughs) The timing is impeccable. Okay, so... Thanks, YouTube, for uh, buffering. All right, so I think I've got about 10 here. Okay. Um, and You're very good at this, like, tricking, having tricky questions, so. Yeah. They might be tricky. I tried not to find, like, the – I deleted some of the more obvious ones, um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, Okay, starting out – I'm trying to pick the ones where it's, like – kind of similar it's using a parody or using a like a twist on a regular christmas movie title um okay so let's start out with christmas evil uh the synopsis is eavesdropping on a mother turns a boy into a killer uh who roams the streets dressed as santa claus am i supposed to say it's real or false real real or fake it's real it's real it's real came out in 1980. 1980. Yeah. Wow. Okay, <laughs> this is this is going to be rough for me. Um okay. I'm dreaming of a white doomsday. So a mother and her 8-year-old son struggle to survive in a bomb shelter after an unnamed apocalypse. I'm going to say fake. Wrong. Ah! It's real. I'm dreaming of a white doomsday came out a couple years ago, 2017. Never heard of it. Okay, next. Psycho Santa. On the drive to a Christmas gathering, a man taunts his wife about a local urban legend of a psychotic Santa. Turns out to be true, and their holiday party becomes a bloodbath. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I'm going to say fake. Um, It is real. God. Psycho Santa came out in 2003. So... Uh, what is that? One for one I'm for I got track. one and two wrong. One and two wrong. Okay. Next up, a Christmas gory. 
when nine-year-old Scotty asks for a BB gun for Christmas, a drunk uncle accidentally gifts him an actual AR-15 rifle. After experiencing accidental Christmas turkey-related head trauma, Scotty hallucinates the town is being attacked by evil elves and goes on a rampage with his new gun. I hope it's real, but I'm going to say fake because I've never heard of this. It is fake. I just made that one up. But I'm actually pretty proud of that synopsis. That's a great synopsis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I would want to see that. As far as a Christmas story parody, like, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good if I do say so myself. All right, next. Red Snow. When an injured bat transforms into a handsome vampire, struggling horror novelist Olivia Romo hides him in her garage to protect him from a vampire hunter. Besotted by the creature, she feeds him animal blood, but any chance of romance is soon thwarted when a gang of fellow bloodsuckers invade her home in search of their missing friend. I know that Red Snow is the name of a horror movie, so I'll just say real. It's real. 2021. Um, okay. This one is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Pain Deer. Starring Dolph Lundgren, the stop animation stop animated short features a slightly uh, a slighted reindeer vowing revenge on Santa with his laser nose. Oh my god! Oh my god! If this is real, like, <laughs> oh my god! I have no idea, but I'm gonna say there's. I gotta say fake. It's fake. Yeah. Okay. Another another banger that I think should be made. Yeah. Starring Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> that would be amazing. As rude rude Dolph, the red nosed pain deer. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Strangle all the way. A ski resort in Aspen is terrorized by an overweight serial killer in a Santa suit that is strangling people on the slopes and in the lodge. Uh, so can I just ask, like, oh, let me, I feel like a lot of these movies are like Hallmark movies or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would not know they exist, but mm, that's a smart like strategy to go for those movies. Mm -hmm. Hmm. This sounds like it could be real. Uh, but then again, you could just be like, Mm. I'm gonna it's say the real. game within a game. I'm gonna say real. Real? Wrong. It's fake. Yeah. Strangle all the way. Um, is fake. Um, okay. Next one. Sleigh bells. On Christmas Eve, a trio of cosplayers. Oh, important. It's spelled B E L L E S. Um, sleigh bells. Um, like on Christmas Eve, it's a S L A Y or. Yes. Okay. S L A Y B E L L E S. Got it. Like the bell of the ball. On Christmas Eve, a trio of cosplayers cross paths with the evil Krampus to save the world. They team up with Santa, a biker. Okay. I'm going to say real. It's real. It came out in 2018. Uh, I'm glad I guessed that. Guessed that one. All right, I think we have two more. Okay. Nightmare on 34th Street. One cold Christmas, a strange Santa arrives to visit Peter and tell him four Christmas horror stories. 
Hmm. I'm going to say fake. Wrong. Oh, my God. It either came out like right now or it's dated 2022. So I think it was in festival circuit and then is streaming now. Um, But I saw that like right after I saw It's a Wonderful Knife. Like I saw it on Bloody Disgusting or something. Like, oh, I got to make a game out of this because this is like a whole trend. It's good. Um, Okay. Last one is Deadly Little Christmas. One Christmas, a little boy loses it and kills his father and the family's housekeeper. He's put away, and all is well until the 15th anniversary of the brutal murders. He escapes a sanitarium, and now the only thing he wants is another Christmas massacre. I mean, this sounds like it could be real. Uh, There's no reason for me to say fake, but uh, other than the fact that I have no idea if it's real or fake, so I'm just going to say fake. It's real. This came out in 2009. <laughs> I was not nearly as good at this as I thought I would be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself that uh, I fooled you a couple times. Well, I'm very, I'm very, I only made three. I only created three out of the yeah, 10. So, yeah. Well, I said before we even started that, you know, I, I usually struggle with your questions. So, mm. yeah. Yep. So how, been... did, how many did I get? It's not important. All right. Let's just say you lost. Yeah, I lost. Uh, I definitely lost. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, that's the thing with horror movies is like every ridiculous premise sounds plausible. Yeah. You know, um, man, you reminded me we should do a horror or a Hallmark or horror. What did I call it? Lifetime or horror. Did you ever listen to any of those I feel old like games? I did, yeah. Um, yeah, Lifetime movie or horror movie, um, where I read yeah. synopsis of Lifetime movies and yet those are hard. Guess. Those are hard. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. You know, I don't judge David for not doing super amazingly at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that concludes another episode of Horror Movie Talk. Thanks, Carl, for joining me joining me on this episode. Um, this episode uh, was produced by me and edited by the Riverside software that we're using. Thanks to our patrons. I want to take a second and thank our new patrons, which I should have brought up minutes ago let's thank uh fly our own ass to heaven uh where where are we this is so professional right now (laughs) i wish my internet was working faster um thanks to downtown julie cholula water kyle n noah b um, and everyone else that's joined our Patreon, um, please, another plug, join that. There's lots of bonus content there. Um, share the podcast with a friend. We really need your help with getting more ratings on iTunes and helping out. Uh, if you want to leave a voicemail, call 682-253-4468. Until next time, everybody, we'll see you on the flip-flop. Bye. Bye-bye. Good day, sir! Good day, sir!
Didn't sound good. 